Hi, welcome to the Shabby Man podcast. Now, we were planning to take an extended break, but felt that we must come back with a special episode on the horrific COVID situation that's taking place in India. Correct? That is correct. Now, before we start, I just want to say a quick thank you to all of you who have been downloading, supporting, sending us messages. Um, really nice, very touched, and thank you so much for that. But the eyes of the world have been on India. And here in the UK, it's actually been uh, dominating. It's a lead story. It's dominating national and international agendas around the world. And uh, what's unfolding is truly, truly heartbreaking. That's true. It is a humanitarian crisis. But I think for people like us who have roots in India and those of us uh, who've grown up in India, who've got family, friends, uh, for us, it is especially heartbreaking to watch. And also, when you're watching from the UK, like you and I are, from the sidelines, as it were, you know, you feel... First, first of all, heartbreak. You feel um, the pain of the people when you see these horrific scenes. But also at the same time, you feel helpless. You feel anger. You feel outrage. I mean, it is a carnage that is almost unreal. And, you know, we feel that between the two of us, when we look at our WhatsApp messages, when we look at the messages that our families are sending across, every family in India now knows someone who's grieving a loss to COVID, whether it is in their immediate family, in their extended family, amongst their colleagues, amongst their friends, amongst their neighbours, nobody has been We know this. quite a few. We know quite a few as well. And we just like to start by expressing our deepest sympathies to anyone who's listening to this podcast right now. And if you've lost a loved one to the pandemic, because we do understand that at the end of the day, every statistic is a person, is someone's brother, sister, son, daughter, wife, mother. And while the rest of us are praying that the situation in India improves and that aid gets to them sooner rather than later, we do realize that if your loved ones have been in a scenario where they weren't able to survive the ravages of COVID-19, we would like to express our deepest sympathies. I know that no words can console you at this moment, but we are just hoping that India turns a corner and that the aid that the world has been generating gets to India soon. I, I think what makes even more poignant for us um, makes it that we feel so helpless is that yeah. um, you know we lived in Delhi and yes. we're seeing places we know yeah. people scrambling crying out for oxygen yeah. trying to get an ambulance yeah. exorbitant rates people are you know some people are t- t- horrible you yeah, know they're, they're charging making it there they're, they're just dying no on the I'm saying people are charging yeah. three times the amount to get into a taxi or yeah. to get into an ambulance yeah let's not even talk about the political angle to this but I want to ask you let's let's Go turn by turn and and talk about how we feel. So um, tell me, what is your assessment of the scenario in India? Well, I think what happened, in in my view, is that India handled the first wave relatively well. Hmm. I mean, nothing is well, you yeah. know, when people are dying. Yeah. One single life is a life. Yeah. But they handled it relatively well compared to the West. maybe the Us. West. Yeah. yeah. And I think they got complacent. Hmm. They, because now we're finding out they didn't get enough vaccines. They were sending vaccines out to the world, mm. but they haven't got enough for themselves. Mm. And um, they were really now they're really grappling, mm. and uh, it's complacency, I think. And um, it doesn't help when they're allowed political rallies, religious festivals, huge gatherings. There, there was really no um, social distancing. Yeah, uh, masks weren't worn. And I understand. I understand the other point of view as well that in India. To be able to social distance is, in a way, a luxury. You know, yeah. if you if you've got your own space, 
Mm. You are very lucky. Yeah, because Most people there, can't. Yeah, there yeah. are families, especially amongst the poor, who are like sometimes up to 10, 12, 15 people scrambled into one room, you know. And for them, if one person tests positive, for them to isolate, for them uh, to, you know, actually, as you're saying, follow social distancing the way it's meant to be followed is hard. And I also understand that it is a tightrope that every individual is walking. You're making that choice between keeping lives safe and keeping livelihoods safe as well. That was going to be my point, that you can't just blame the incumbent government because they have to make a choice whether people should live and you know get medicines or they can earn their living. No, but that's and where that's, I disagree. And, I think and, I'm going to completely lay the blame uh, on the government because I feel that that is a choice every government is making. It's not that the West has got it all sorted and because we have a social system here, no, I'm welfare saying, but, but, system here. There's a country with 1.4 billion people. That's you true. You can't no, that is expect true. everyone to... And, people haven't followed social distancing and that's why, because there's so many people. Yeah, but I think... I, the true, reason, there are many things that should be uh, laid at their door to blame, you know, the... The lack of medicines, the lack of oxygen cylinders. Preparedness, the lack of preparedness for this. And people were saying that that is the first thing that the Western uh, media is commenting on. A, the fact that things were allowed to get to this. And B, it's not because, as we are saying, we completely agree when people say that there's a new mutant strain which is far more contagious. That is the one which is wreaking havoc in India. All that may be true. But when six months into the pandemic, seven, eight months into the pan pandemic, you already had enough scientific data to support the fact that this is how the virus operates. Know, this I is how the, it spreads. The how problem can was, you allow politics and religion to override? No, I think the problem was that they thought that they handled the first wave so well. Yeah. They haven't got a second wave and then it just hit them. Hmm. Of course, if you're going to have these kumelas and huge uh, political, rallies. political rallies, it's it is going you're to asking for trouble. Yeah, it is bound to happen. Absolutely. And um, so it is heartbreaking to watch. But I think I'm also impressed by the way A, Indians themselves have got together and the way the common man on the street is trying to help out uh, in any way they can others. And B, the way the world has come to India's rescue. And I think it's, it is in times of such humanitarian uh, um, disasters and crises that you realize that you know, where the government is failing them, human beings are coming to their aid and people are really keen to donate. People are really keen to um, make a difference and make sure that their money is actually getting to the people who need it most. Yeah, but I think right now is probably not the time to play politics mm. and to get things sorted out mm. and then make someone responsible and make someone accountable for what's happened. Yeah. Right now, I think you all just have to work together. Yeah, that's true. It is the time you because once we are out of the woods, yeah, that is when we really analyze where we went wrong and how we can prevent this from happening again. So while we agree that this is not the time to discuss politics because human life is more important than anything else, uh, I also feel that. Uh, but no, but uh, once it's all over and touch wood when things are back to normal, yeah, people should be held accountable. No, absolutely, people will be held accountable. I hope, but uh, I think it's uh, other than political rallies, other than the Kumbh Mela, which has which has really accelerated the rate at which this virus has been passed on, has been transmitted from one person to the next. There's clear evidence showing that. I think there's a lot of outrage. There's a lot of uh, surprise in the West about the way the IPL is carrying on as though it was in a completely different planet and it had nothing to do with what was going on uh, uh, on the streets of India. You yeah, have yeah, matches in cities like Delhi, where which is the epicenter of where 
all the carnage is happening. So many people are dying. I know, but they're justifying it by saying that it's like relief for a couple of hours. Yeah, I don't know if that can be. I, I know that's a tough one. A lot of people are saying that, yeah, you know, it is the one ray of... I also think it, sh- uh, it shouldn't be. On. I think it is absolutely disgraceful. The way, uh, you know, and um, I think what brought... For anyone who doesn't know, IPL is the Indian Premier League. Premier League, the, the cricket, cricket match. Uh, Premier League. And it happens to be in Delhi right now, hmm. which is at the epicenter of the storm at such. Yeah, and I think more than me, you've been watching, diligently watching Channel 4, BBC, all these reports done by British Asian presenters and, you know, Newsnight and the stark difference that we see in the way that the pandemic is being reported here and the way that uh, the pandemic is being reported in India is that... Journalists in the West are not afraid to ask the questions from the government that people in India probably wouldn't dare to. So it is an extremely stark analysis of what's going on, what we think should be done and how it should have been handled. And I think one video, uh, uh, an interview that Barkhadat did with Julie Etchingham here uh, um, on ITV News on ITV News was really doing the rounds among my friends in India, but also among British and friends here um, in the UK. Because very poignantly, it was she she did did this interview the day after she lost her own father to COVID, and she said in essence that if somebody like me, who's a journalist, who's well connected, who's who's well off, who's got connections, if I had to beg and plead for an ambulance, which as it turned out wasn't really an ambulance it didn't have any oxygen if i rushed my dad to hospital and i had to beg and plead for a bed in the icu which after great difficulty i got by which time it was too late can you imagine what the common person what the common man on the street is facing right now because this is what with my journalistic fame if you want to call it credibility connections money even i couldn't save my dad yeah so that is why she felt that i owe it to the people who are struggling. I owe it to my dad's memory to come out here and highlight the situation and get aid to India as fast as possible, as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. And another thing which I mentioned before is that the common man, hmm. the poorest in the, of society, the poorest of the poor, they can't afford uh, these um, private hospitals, yeah. these medicines, these oxygen th- cylinders. Yeah. And uh, as you were saying, you touched upon this earlier as well, that, you know, what is shocking is that there will always be people who see uh, uh, an economic opportunity in every tragedy. There are people who are, we saw these reports, right? When uh, undercover reporters on these leading news channels, they pretended to be people who needed an ambulance and people said that, oh, of course we can get it for you, but if you are willing to pay 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, yeah? And there'll be no oxygen in the ambulance. And, and there will be no oxygen, right? So obviously there are these rackets which are also happening all around us, but I think what this scenario in India has brought home is the fact that A, we are so interdependent on each other, B, that it is a virus that discriminates, does not discriminate uh, among people, and C, all of us need to play our part to be able to get out um, uh, alive, as it were, and to be able to battle this global pandemic. A couple of things which have really proved to be beacons of light in this horror story. Sorry, just before that, you know, it's not just one strain, there's mutant strains as well. Like, I remember at the start, people said that it's a UK strain that is going to Punjab. South African strain. Yeah. And now there's that Mumbai strain, which is coming back to England. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, that when a lot of people in government in India are saying that, oh, you know, the reason why we are grappling is because this strain is much more transmissible and it is much more potent than all, which is all true, but then you can't 
overlook you know some of the things that should have been put put in place now you're a great champion of social media and you think that social media is where the stories break that is where you can actually gauge what the public opinion is in any country in over any matter in the I think in the last week social media it's really been humbling hmm. that people it doesn't matter who they are hmm. famous people not famous people just posting stuff saying help yeah. i need this getting need the message that. across and people are also saying that there are beds here yeah. there is oxygen available here yeah contact me if you need so and so medicine it's really everyone has come together it's yeah. been wonderful yeah it is absolutely- in a way they're doing what the government is not doing yeah yeah and alongside that of course we have to mention the charities I'm sure there are people in India who are doing this as well but all the charities in the western world we can talk about the ones in the UK that have gone out of their way to raise huge amounts of money and I think they're really reassuring the Indian people that this is not going to be your money that is going to sit in a bank for a long time and we're just going to gloat over the fact that we've got 1.6 million 2 million whatever you're only talking about the ones that we know in this country but there must be hundreds, hundreds. in India yeah absolutely so we're concentrating on the ones that you know we know here like the british asian trust which my station sunrise supports as well ndtv supports uh, there's another interview that i did with a bunch of people who are doing their own uh, charitable fundraisers and they're all stressing the point that we are a not just giving money to india we're giving them what they need whether it is oxygen concentrators whether it is helping our ground staff in india so it's not even about transporting that oxygen uh, concentrator which will take some time right but it is about giving them the money immediately from the funds that we have collected here so they can you know I must also mention my punjabi sadar friends because i think khalsa aid and him foundation yeah. they are always doing great stuff yeah absolutely and let's not forget that you know getting oxygen to the people who are finding it hard to breathe that is everybody's priority but if you look f- further down the 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 pyramid you will see that there are so many people who don't have jobs who are struggling to feed their families who are not in a life and death scenario but they are equally in distress and as you're saying the first name that comes to mind is khalsa aid when it comes to giving people free food uh, barkhadat mentioned this that in some of the gurdwaras they're doing an oxygen langar yes i've seen so that. you I've, can come I've been, there i've been watching english tv i've been watching indian tv yeah. as well they've been doing yeah. that how amazing is there's that there's a fantastic charity i read about this morning which is giving um food hmm. to um the workers at the cremation yeah uh, and, yeah let's not forget Philippa them philippa places and the uh, cemeteries yeah and i think we are not even talking about the toll that this pandemic has taken on the frontline workers there are so many stories but right now because that's not the the most important thing right now it's all about saving lives and getting those numbers down but let's not even forget about what the doctors and the nurses and the frontline staff is going through seeing death after death after death in such harrowing circumstances and you know one of my friends very close friends she lost her cousin and as she was saying that a for the parents of um uh, uh, her cousin she was saying that a to lose your child and b to lose him in such harrowing circumstances when you can't see the body you have to you know say goodbye to your child to your own flesh and blood from a long distance can you even imagine what that is like so these are absolutely unspeakable stories of horror but you know we're so glad that people around the world have felt india's pain and they're doing everything they can to get aid to the people who really need it um anyone who's running a charity anyone who's contributed no matter how big or small your donation is anyone who feels that we can't just be bystanders looking at the tragedy unfold we have to actively uh, spread the word do something about it all these volunteers you as have well. our respect There's all so these volunteers, volunteers absolutely who nobody's working for money everybody's just you know everyone's heart is really going out because you can imagine yourself in that scenario 
Um, you know, so, you're also a bit worried at the start that oh, I'm going to give money to this charity. Is it actually going to go yeah. to the right place? Right place. Or is yeah. it going to go in someone else's pocket? Mm. So these are all things that niggle at the back of your head. But I think the big charities, going, yeah, everybody right is. That place. is why they're going out of the way to say that we are not just throwing money at the cause. We are actually giving the people what they need right now, and we are hoping that uh, India comes out of this. And uh, and uh, as I said, it is a humanitarian crisis that India has not seen ever. But uh, those of us who have roots in India, those of us who are Indian, um, it's absolutely unbelievable to see what's what's happening. But we hope that by the time we record our next podcast, the figures, the death rate would have come down, that oxygen would have been Yeah, we hope the next podcast is on a much more positive note. On a much more positive note. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, our deepest condolences to those who've lost loved ones, our deepest gratitude to those who are helping out in any way you can. Big or small, it doesn't matter. Um, we hope to catch you again very soon on the next episode of the Shabby and Man podcast. Thank you for listening. Till then, bye-bye now.